BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago. And I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you wanna learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get today's guest. I've known her for a long time. You're going to learn so much from her. Her name is Elise Lunin. Elise Lunin is a writer, editor, and podcast host. And over the years, she has co-authored 11 books, including with Ellen DeGeneres, Leah Michelle, Lauren Conrad, and so much more. Elise was also the chief content officer at Goop, and Elise also worked at Condé Nast Traveler as editorial projects director and was the deputy editor of Lucky Magazine. Stay tuned to the entire conversation because at the end, I answer another one of your burning health questions and then ask me anything. All right, this is Elise Lunin's Art of Being Well. Elise, the tables have turned, my friend. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's interviewing who, who here? Uh, but I miss you. I mean, what the heck? What, how, how come it's, we're talking this way and not, it's been too long. It has been too long. I miss, I miss you too. I mean, I feel like we're good at the occasional text flurry, but we need <laughs> yeah. like a standing, standing we zoom. A, a standing session. zoom. A, maybe we do a book club. Oh, that I'm up for it. Let me know. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm you know, I'm here. I'm stuck in this room. I'm telling you for the past really 12 years, but at least I got out and traveled before the pandemic and like saw real people uh, in real person, I should say, in real life, but I uh, haven't done that much. How, how have you been? Your room is very peaceful though, and your hair looks amazing. Everything is on point. <laughs> I I'm well. Similarly, I feel like I've been in this room forever. Um, in the corner of my bedroom, but, and I know this is a complicated thing to say, and obviously COVID has had its ups and downs for me as well as for everyone else. I have really enjoyed the break. 
I mean, it hasn't really been a break, but I have enjoyed the change in pace and a different way of living and not actually leaving my home that much. <laughs> yeah, Are you I'm an a, extrovert or an introvert? You're an introvert oh, like me, pure right? Pure introvert, pure introvert. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before. I'm an Enneagram five, which I know isn't always introvert, extrovert, but I think fives are solidly pretty introverted. Uh, investigator mindset. And you're a th- one? One. You're a one, yeah. Yeah. So- one, yeah. Ones I think could go either way too, but I, all the ones that I know are pretty introverted. Do you know your, um, pa- what's the passion vice of, of, of a five? What's your inclination? Mine is I, I know. resentment and frustration. Like anger is really my thing. What's yours? Yeah, my, mine is, I don't know if I can articulate that the best way. I'm not an expert in Enneagram things, but what I've read is that a sort of an unhealthy five tends to feel like his resources or their resources are depleted. So they kind of go inward and like have to mm. like shut themselves off. So I try not to be the unhealthy five, <laughs> but, but, but it happens life. sometimes. <laughs> it happens sometimes, let's be honest. Uh, so this is a new phase of your career. Can you kind of catch people up on, on this yeah. new, new generation, this new phase of, of your life? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting speaking of COVID because I don't know what it actually looks like. Like I'm in a period, I'm in a prolonged void. I think like so many of us are feeling of not knowing what my life exactly is going to look like on the other side of always, I've always had a full-time job. I've always existed within another structure really. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the first time that I've ever been solo or creating that structure for myself. I know you, you're a great model for how to build something that's revolves around you. Um, but it's rare. It's actually really hard to find those particularly in balanced ways. So I have been doing my own podcast, pulling the thread and then work doing a little bit of consulting. But the main thing that I'm doing is writing a book about women and the patriarchy and I don't know if you explored this yet on this podcast, but it's it's a women-focused book. It's sort of what we police in ourselves and then police in each other. It's using the seven deadly sins as a construct, which interestingly, going back to the Enneagram, Enneagram and um, the sins both have sort of the same desert father, this guy named Evagrius Ponticus, who was a fourth century monk, which I think is interesting. But really the book is, it's about women, but it's about the divine feminine. And so it's for men too, in that sense, you're very balanced in your masculine and feminine. I try to be balanced in mine, but this idea of like, we're missing the, 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 the feminine has been suppressed and that Mm -hmm. includes women, obviously, but that includes that energy within each of us. Absolutely. No, it's, it's part of wellness. It's an integral part of wellness. Mm -hmm. So Let's uh, unpack a, f- a few things. The, uh, let's go to the podcast first, because first of all, it's an amazing, uh, uh, it's so beautiful from an auditory standpoint, but e- let's just go from a superficial aesthetic. Like who, how, what's the meaning behind the beautiful design of the logo of the podcast? Yeah. So this guy, his name's Val. He did the illustration for me and we looked at like the Tibetan book of the dead. Essentially we wanted to create modern iconography And um, we talked about sort of this idea of pulling threads, the tapestry that we're all part of, how sort of how evocative that is as a concept, both in that meta way and also for us individually, like when you sort of in health, for example, you pick up a symptom, you pick up 
something that's going on, you start pulling on it and you're like, oh wait, this is actually like in my emotional body. And this is, this is one indicator of some sort of root complex issue that might be, you know, it might class be a classic autoimmune syndrome, but really it's about my lack of boundaries and how I never prioritize myself. And I'm completely other directed. A lot of the way that I think women, as you know, are culturally conditioned. So we wanted to pull on that. There's a river, which is sort of this idea too, of this is the path of life and you can, you're, we're all in the river and it's, it has a direction and we can sort of paddle and we can fight and we can learn how to move with the currents or against the currents. So I went with like 8,000 different systems in part, because I think they're all saying the same thing, but also so that people could be like, oh, I, I see that GPS like that modern GPS pin in there. And um, I just wanted people to like be able to spend time with it and find something of resonance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good, it's an epitomization. It's a good description visually of what the podcast is about. So I know at at Goop, you, the, the podcast was your passion project. Like you really did the research, you really read the books, you really prepared as a journalist and, and, you know, everybody has a podcast today, right? I mean, everybody I has a podcast, <laughs> but not everybody is good at podcasting. Not everybody should be podcasting. You're an authentic, real deal journalist, podcaster, and you ask amazing questions. You hold space for the person. You're extremely talented at what you do. And I love seeing this amazing new podcast. You're able to really it's dig fun. into some amazing things. I no, I, mean I appreciate that. Yeah, it's true. It, there are so many podcasts, it's overwhelming. And I, I'm curious to see what happens to the landscape because there's really not good discoverability. It's very hard, as you know, to break through and find audience when there's just it's there's just a lot and very sweet deals out there, sort of tempting people who are usually in other formats to come into the audio space. So I'm like, oh, just go back, go back to TV. Um, (laughs) I love audio. It's really where I came alive, I think, as myself at Goop. You know, we don't have bylines. So for for a long time, Goop was sort of a monolithic brand. And obviously it's, it's Gwyneth, but there are a lot of people, as you know, who work there and who contribute, you know, people like you who doctors, therapists, it's primarily sort of an uh, incredible aggregator of really interesting thinkers. And so, mm-hmm. but to be able to do the podcast, really sit with people and interrogate them, but interrogate sort of my own life and, and lives of people I know was such an honor. And the first time I really, I have spent my life as a ghostwriter. I have always worked for brands hiding behind brands, being the voice of being an invisible voice, (laughs) just just part of my book. Also, I don't think I'm alone and and feeling like that's safer. Um, But the podcast is really a coming out party for me. And, And originally it was, I didn't realize I would love it as much as I do. So that was a big sadness to say goodbye to that podcast, but such a joy to start pulling the thread and get back to it and, and to, the conversations are, it's an interview show. The conversations are similar in some ways, but there's more of me in it. And I try to do more sort of a summary of the conversation. And Mm -hmm. again, just like follow my interests based on what I think other people really respond to. You will Mm -hmm. come on. I can't wait to have you on. Can't wait to be on. It's authentically you. And I listened to, and I, I remember messaging you when I heard the first episode and I just love like the small details 
just as th- th- from the music playing when you're talking, it is like a movie almost that, mm-hmm. that I appreciate where you, you get so many podcasts again, that it just aren't necessarily good. It may have good content, but it's kind of clunky and the, it's not a, a, the best, but you really did an amazing job with it. Thank you. Thank you. I worked with um, Cadence and they've been great. And but yeah, I wanted not to be emotionally manipulative, but I wanted it to feel emotional and resonant because I think that that's, I was trying to capture those, at least the feeling that I have that I, I, since we're kind of the same person that I think you have too, where it's that like when you, when you hear something, um, there is a knowing, right. Mm-hmm. There's an unlock. And so, and I feel that all the time when I'm interviewing people and they're sharing their wisdom, there's sort mm-hmm. of this, like, sometimes it takes me a minute to even process what it means, but there's this like, Oh, this feeling. So I really wanted the music to capture that because it's those tiny insights, those tiny revelations that I think have the power to inform the way that we think about our lives. Like change is small, it's minute. It's just like a tiny new practice or a tiny new reframe. Not always like, uh, as you know, the stuff that you do is lifestyle medicine. It's not always necessarily like an extreme change. It's, it's mm-hmm. the small stuff where you're like, Oh, like now something makes sense to me or, yeah. I mean, here's one that you gave to me. We were doing, uh, you were taking me through keto, ketotarian challenge. And I was like, okay, I feel really good. I'm not losing weight. And you were like, probably because you don't have to, like, you don't let like, trust your body. If you don't need to lose weight, you won't lose weight, which is such a small thing. But as a woman in Los Angeles, I thought, I mean, now I've really let it go. Thanks to you. I'm like, you know what? Just, my body does not want to be policed in this way, but you were like, I don't know what I felt from you was you were like, there are ways to lose weight, but if you don't need to, then why are you, why is that your primary goal? Yeah. Especially cause your labs look amazing. I mean, like I know, I know your labs, at least I know your labs. <laughs> so, you I know me say, better than my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I know those biomarkers uh, and they look amazing uh, not to break any HIPAA confidentiality, but you're perfectly healthy and amazing. And I think a lot of people feel like are at that point where I'm not where I want to be in my mind, but it's like, well, if everything's really where you're, you're exuding vibrant wellness, sometimes it is just being yeah. at peace where you're at, being appreciating those where you're at. And just letting your body age and letting, you know, as a woman, yeah. just like being like, Oh, I'm going to be a little softer than I used to be. And like, that's okay. I'm a, I'm, I need to embrace this part of my journey. Um, whereas I feel like so much of wellness, which I've got sort of tired of really was this like bent, this perpetual bent toward doing. And it, it to me, it felt like uh, another sort of part of this, like weirdly toxic masculine patriarchal culture of like, there's always something to do and there's some way to optimize. And like, are you, and for me, it was like, actually you're just good. Just chill. Like you let your body be the guru, like let your, let your own intelligence, your body intelligence, Mm -hmm. just leave it alone. Um, which to me, I thought, um, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Sometimes it's the the me, the messenger, not the message, right? Yeah, you could have heard it a hundred times, but I'm glad I could be the messenger for that one. People age at different speeds, and the date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. 
If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down the aging process, the keys to health and longevity run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce your stress levels, improve your sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, the right nutrition, and right supplementation for your body. I also am really loving what they call the Inner Age 2.0. Add Inner Age 2.0, be sure to do this, to any of their plans for a definitive calculation of your true biological age. You're going to be shocked with these results to see how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. That's insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well, or you can use code Will Cole. Lumian Skin harnesses the power of your immune system by using something called hypochlorous acid, or HOCL for short, as their hero ingredient in all of their products. If you have yet to hear about HOCL, Lumian is making it a household name, one clear, healthy face at a time. Lumian uses the anti-aging power of pure oxygen combined with the antimicrobial properties of HOCL to create vibrant, healthy, and irritation-free skin. Lumian is safe to use on breakouts, dermatitis, eczema, sunburns, and it doesn't stop there. Lumian helps with any skin irritation from that unwanted blemish to having too much fun in the sun this summer. Lumian is your answer to clear, calm, and healthy skin like Mother Nature intended. HOCL was originally used, interestingly, as a wound healing agent and is making big waves for all things skin health. Lumion is dermatologist tested and approved. Lumion has three HOCL-based products. They are the Miracle Mist, the Miracle Mask, and the fan favorite, Save Your Skin Serum. Lumion is run by two women who both had adult acne and were devoted to finding a safe and effective way to manage their breakouts. Today, they are thriving and helping anyone from their teens to their 80s boost their skin health and live confident and free in their skin. Let your skin breathe with Lumion. All you have to do is use code WILLCOLE at checkout for 20% off your first purchase at lumionlife.com. Com. That's L-U-M-I-O-N-L-I-F-E.com, lumianlife.com. Use code Will Cole at checkout for 20% off. Hey, girl. Hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. 
the podcast, you have fascinating guests and they're all like very unique, interesting, fresh, innovative conversations, not your average old uh, redundant conversations on podcasts. So take me through some of your favorite guests so far. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I obviously, you know, talk to a lot of book publicists and I know what books are coming and who has projects. I typically don't speak to celebrities, not because I don't like celebrities, but because it's hard to get anything um, new or like particularly vulnerable, which I appreciate and understand. So I like to go back, you know, I like to go back to, I read a ton and I have been reading a ton for my book and I read new stuff and I read old stuff. And sometimes there's, there are older. So for example, I interviewed this woman, Rianne Eisler, who is a, she's in her eighties now. She is an uh, anthropologist, historian, sort of a systems thinker. She wrote this book that sold 500,000 copies in 1987 called The Chalice and the Blade. And people probably either read it or they remember maybe their mother's reading it or that it was present. And it's an amazing book. It's fascinating. And it's really about the history of the patriarchy, which we take as sort of like this basic thing that exists. And this is the structure that we've always had. And this is how it has to be. And she goes back through anthropology and sort of shows evidence of how affiliative and partnership-based we used to be. So she came on, which I loved that conversation, just because I think for so many, it's like, there are so many things we take for granted that are invisible to us. And then when you get a new perspective, you're like, oh, actually, let me like rethink all of this conditioning about my role as a passive woman and a gatherer and all of these things that actually aren't classically true. So Rianne, Joy Harjo was the first guest. She's the first Native American poet mm-hmm. laureate. She's an incredible woman. And she talks about, speaking of audio, just about the energy of words and how as we become more textual as a, as a culture and we're losing that resonance, that, that, that oral resonance and the language of metaphor and how that's how we li- really understand things is metaphor mm-hmm. and the energy of words. Terry Real, who I know you also love, yeah. he's coming back on soon because he has a new book coming out. But I interviewed him specifically about his book, um, I Don't Want to Talk About It, which is his first book, landmark book about male depression and his model, which is so revolutionary. But he argued, this is again, I think it was a 1997 book, maybe, that you know, culturally, we think that women are more depressed. That's what the statistics would say. There's more overt depression in women. His mm-hmm. point is that men, because of patriarchal conditioning, do not express depression and it's covert, yeah. comes out in addictive disorders, personality disorders, domestic violence and abuse. And when you start to tabulate the, those things, they they equalize and that men are obviously we're having a, a crisis of masculinity. Right. It's men who are murdering men, are murdering people. It's boys who are wounded and are wounding culture. So he's an amazing, I love talking to Terry Real. He's so brilliant. Yeah. So he's going to come back to talk about couples, but we talked about men specifically. Love it. And can we talk about Carissa Schumacher? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Top of the podcast. (laughs) I should say top of the pandemic, right? The beginning of the pandemic (laughs) 
<laughs> we have to talk about this. So I just talked to Sarah Gottfried and she came up in the conversation too. And we both said Elise at the same time, <laughs> because you're like, that. You're, you're, we're, you're, you're our guru for all this information. So, so at the top of the pandemic, beginning of the pandemic, I remember you sending me information about this person. Yeah. yeah. So I was sitting by the pool. I remember listening to this, this person and g- g- fill people in because uh, you have her on the podcast. They can obviously yes. listen to the full conversation there, but she's your spiritual teacher. So I want to, I want she people to hear amazing. about it. Yeah. So, and obviously working at Goop I had access to incredible mediums and intuitives, the best in the world. And Carissa is a fascinating creature because she ranks in that way as well. She's a forensic medium. Her name is Carissa Schumacher. She's um, 37 years old. Maybe she's 38 now. She went to Brown. She was a neuroscience major. There was a piece in the Times a couple of weeks ago about her because her book with Yeshua came out. And not only is she a forensic medium, she, and just a brilliant mind, she is a channel for Yeshua, a.k.a. Jesus of Nazareth. You may have heard of him. You may have heard of him. Yeah, you may have heard of him, which I know sounds insane. And it sounds, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, blasphemous to some people, but it's incredible. He, she described, you know, she's like, you can refer to Yeshua and you don't need to belong to any school of belief. You can refer to him as Elmo, nature, the universe, Buddha, Lao Tzu. Like he's another ascended master, sort of speaking for the divine. And I met her through a friend who similarly is really well-versed and had gone to one of Chris's retreats in Sedona. She leads retreats a few times a year. This is pre, before she started channeling Yeshua, she was just channeling, you know, talking to the divine, not a full body channel. She was like her retreat. It was amazing. And so for this woman to say that, I was like, oh, I need to know her. She was like, well, I am happy to introduce you, but just know that she doesn't, she doesn't always respond. And so be prepared. So she emailed her. She just used my first name and my friend Jennifer's first name. And she said, Oh, I have these friends who'd love to talk to you. She sent back the wildest email. Well, like the wildest channeling a girl. I went to high school with dad. I played tennis with this girl. It took me like two, two days to figure out who she was talking about, but all the details were accurate down to it being this man's wife's birthday desperately needing to get in touch with them, et cetera. It was, it was a beautiful email though. And in that, she also talked to me about how I needed to move. It was time for big spirit, no more small individuated energies, no more like psychic, you know, dibble dabble. Like it was big spirit party time and that I needed to move into this phase of my life. And Krista in many ways predicted my departure from goop. Like she is wildly accurate. Ter- mm-hmm. terrifyingly accurate. She predicted Corona. She started d- donating. Um, she was talking about a crown virus or the crown, a virus of the crown. And this is back in 2019. She started donating to Wuhan animal charities, wow. knowing it was something in China, something with animals. So anyway, so I met her, we did a session. I started, I went to a few of her journeys where she Yeshua comes into her body. I mean, it's so weird. It's like, it takes a while to get used to it. And she actually channels the audio version of the book, the freedom transmission. So you'll hear the voice. It's odd, but like, if you just keep listening, you'll get past that. The, 
energy, the words are coded with energy. As soon as I started working with her, like things in my life started changing quite rapidly mm-hmm. in ways that were both scary and exciting. But the content, these transmissions, so I've heard many, many, many Yeshua transmissions at this point. She channeled um, by herself this eight-part series, which is this book, The Freedom Transmissions. Um, but he is brilliant, hilarious, kind of a rapper. Like he loves word etymology like me. So he takes words apart. He does some religious history, some cultural history that's fascinating. And some of it feels slightly like that you'll, you'll recognize occasional aphorisms or sayings and like particularly from the Gnostic gospels or parables. It's mm-hmm. not that religious. It doesn't sound like a sermon, but mm-hmm. the content will has completely changed I think it's changed my life. Um, and again, I've had contact with so many people, but like every time I go to one of these journeys and the energy moving through your body and the meditations, sometimes she does them with this woman, Danielle Gibbons, who has a site and does a, has a YouTube channel who channels mother Mary. And so the two of them together, as you can imagine, it is wild. My friend yeah. Scott, who goes with me literally has like when the meditations he's shaking like so intensively, he'll fall off the chair. <laughs> so powerful. Wow. Want to detox without the hassle of juice cleanses and strict diets? Juna's brand new antioxidant rich detox drops are the ultimate agent for daily detoxification to promote digestion, support deep bloat, eliminate toxins from the body, and boost overall health. They transform boring water into a powerhouse of a drink and tastes really refreshing. I have to say, I love the taste of these drops. They're so good. Use Juna's detox drops daily to support your detoxification pathways, to boost your energy levels, to de-bloat your stomach, to eliminate internal toxins caused by pollution, and to aid in digestion. I love to drop them into water and drink them first thing in the morning as a daily ritual. It tastes so refreshing. It's a bit minty with a hint of lemon, really fresh. It kind of elevates the water and you're just, you're doing more than just hydrating your body. You're supporting these natural detoxification pathways and supporting your gut health. The main active ingredient is chlorophyll, which is a powerhouse of antioxidants that contributes to a variety of skin health benefits, like helping with free radical damage that supports decreasing accelerated anti-aging. Use code WILLCOLE at checkout at junoworld.com for 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's code WILLCOLE at checkout at junoworld.com. That's J-U-N-A-W-O-R-L-D.com for 20% off. Our next partner has a product I have loved for years. It's an amazing tool to support your gut health, energy, and so much more. So what is this stuff? It's Athletic Greens. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it also contains less than one gram of sugar with no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting really good. 
Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him so much money and he wanted something simple, one thing with so many benefits. And that's where Athletic Greens was born. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that supports projects protecting old growth rainforests. And for every purchase, they donate to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. To make it really easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. I have to say, when I'm looking at labs, vitamin D deficiency is ubiquitous, to say the least, and it's very important for your energy, your immune system, your mood, and so much more. And they're also going to give you five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You have to check this out. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash willcole. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash willcole to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What I'm hearing from you and what I, I, I garnered so far from it is it's very more experiential than intellectual. Is yes. that fair to say? Yes. It's an experience. It's an emotional imprint. So like you can read the words and they're interesting. It's like the content is interesting, but it is a felt experience more than it is an, a higher mind, rational experience. The words make sense, of course. And the there's amazing lines, but it's more of a feeling, a feeling of truth. Like at one point, Carissa had said to me, I don't remember if this was to me or to inner transmission, but she said, your vibration must be higher than what you create. Otherwise you cannot manage it. Hmm. And that just felt like such a truth. As I think about what I'm trying to do in the world, I'm sure this is like resonant for you as you're like, our culture is so predicated on more and more and more. Like, how do I grow this thing? How do I make it big? How do I return maximum you know, profits up and to the right, up and to the right? I have to do more. And then suddenly you're like, what have I built? And if your vibration isn't here, you can't manage it. And mm. so that it's a, a, about sustainability. It's about sort of intention. Carissa also, Carissa Yeshua, very early on in the pandemic, when I was sort of, I can't remember if I'd already left Goop, but I was spiraling a little bit about like, how am I going to make this work? And da, 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 da. And Carissa was like, so many people come to me and they say, and they're in a panic and they're like, I, I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't. And what do you need? I need you to write down what you need, write down your needs and write down your wants. The divine is very good at meeting your needs. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean like you're going to live in a loincloth in the woods either. Like there's no judgment in it. So what do you need? Say it, state it, mm -hmm. clarify it. Um, yeah. That was so helpful. Um, yeah. but yes, it's an experience. Yeah, it is. And I, I definitely have seen that over my life and my career and personal life too. Like as a clinic, we'll write out our intentions for the year. It's amazing when we look back how many of those things have happened, not because we're even really willing it or obsessive about it. It's just, there's something to uh, manifesting and being intentional yeah. with it. Well, honestly, I think, and you know, I love my dead people and I love using my dead people for help, you know, whether it's my mm -hmm. spirit guides or, or people who have passed who are very close to me. And early on, this woman, Laura Day is another incredible media, psychic medium. 
she said to me, you need to put them to use. And like what people don't understand is that what they're like, yes, parts of the ego trap fall away, but not really, but like what they're good at is there's, that's like their design or their imprint. So if Mm -hmm. your father died and he was like corporate lawyer and you need legal help, like you ask, you are specific, you directly ask for help. Um, Because I also think like we're here in our school, we're supposed to learn, we need to evolve and change and grow, and we will get the same lessons in various forms a million times until we actually learn them. Mm -hmm. But the divine is happy to help with, they just, with invitation, like there's free will and Mm -hmm. that is respected. But if you want help, you ask, it doesn't mean that every, every request is granted, obviously. Mm-hmm. every prayer is answered, but that we have to get back into this motion of understanding it's a co-creative endeavor and mm-hmm. that it can be easier with mm-hmm. assistance. The other yeah. thing that Chris had told me, I mean, she's told me so many things, but this was in a transmission and I thought it was so soothing. It was a transmission about how we confuse, I think Yesha was talking about shawarma, dharma plus should, and I can't remember, (laughs) but he said, you know, you guys confuse vehicles with purpose and they're completely distinct things. You will have very many vehicles and your vehicle might be a career, a relationship, a job. And you are not like your identity is not like the Tesla you're driving around, like the Kia that you're driving around. And so do not get attached to your vehicle. It's and more than, more than that, there are no wrong turns. Something that's not for you is not for you. Something that's for you will be brought back around to you again and again until you choose it. And so there's no missed opportunity. There's no, I should have done that. Why did I do this? The path might be more torturous, but there's no, like, there's no wrong turn. And it's futile to live life being like, why am I not a concert pianist? If it's not in your destiny to be a concert pianist. Yeah. <laughs> That's a I beautiful, thought that was so comforting. It is comforting and it's a beautiful thought. And, you know, to look back in my life, you know, that's really beautiful to think about. Um, and you kind of can unclench your fist a little bit and not be so filled with anxiety or worry yeah. of the what ifs. Or worried you're, about what other people are getting and you're not. Yeah, exactly. Really staying in your lane in a good way. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in a focused way, in a present way. I'm curious to be, you've, you've researched this so much and you've experienced so much within this space is this field of mediums and, and psychics. I've heard people say, well, like someone that's passed on, is it just the energy they left behind? You know, energy can't be created or destroyed. Is it their imprint or are they physically there? What are your thoughts so far on this, in this space? I mean, it's the greatest question. I think it's so interesting how so many people, particularly scientists and doctors, rush straight to this materialist view of the world. Like mm-hmm. they're dead. The body is it. Uh, uh, you know, this question of consciousness is resolved. The question of consciousness is like not understood at all. Nobody understands consciousness. Like we don't get it. Right. And I believe we are soul spirits having a physical experience in a body and that we reincarnate many times. I think so many of us are like, you have that past life sensation or that knowing of someone before, like the familiarity of life. 
And I think we are many genders. I think we've had so many different experiences cross-culturally, across class lines, certainly across um, race, gender, et cetera. And I think my experience is that the body, you know, is a temporary shell. It's very important. We're here to love, to touch, to experience, to have this sensorial existence. It's how we learn. I think it's a huge gift um, to have time. That's, I think, the thing that we really do own is our time. But I think that the soul is released from the body and returns to the other side of the veil, which is really no other place. It's just an imperceptible, it's imperceptible to us, but it surrounds us. And then I think you're part of this field. But I do believe that there's some version of ego that remains, some core identity. And my experience of people on the other side is that they're very busy, that there's like other, that there's stuff happening. They're helping. There's like a giant, like your soul, your, your people are conferring with my people. Like they're working really hard to help us and to make things happen is my, that's my belief or or faith in the other side. And that, so they're not sort of like stewing for us or they're, they're present with us in a Mm -hmm. very, very real palpable way. Mm-hmm. And I think all they want is that we know that and that we ask for help and intervention where needed and guidance mm-hmm. and that we can talk to them all the time. Mm-hmm. They can hear us. So that's, that's my sense. And it's fascinating how many research institutes, universities are really looking at these things that we don't have answers for, but there's enough out there where. There is enough. Yeah. Let's, dis- let's discover what it is. Exactly. Yeah. And there's like DOPS at UVA. There's um, scientists all over the place trying to understand this, like trying to explain out-of-body experiences, near-death trying experiences. to explain near-death experiences. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and I'm interested in all of that. I used to be interested in that. And now I'm like, as Chris said, like enough proof, like it's, yeah. that's not what I'm really about. I just want to help people mm-hmm. hear feel connected to something larger than themselves. Yeah. Research shows that there is a positive mental effect by having stimulating, beautiful art in your home. For over a decade, Tappan has been the source for individual collectors and designers to find art for their homes as well as their clients. They connect collectors to the best established and emerging artists from around the world, including original works and limited edition prints. Tappan has revolutionized the art buying experience. You can find inspired works for your home by trusting the curation at Tappan. From selection to framing, buying art with Tappan is transparent and effortless. Recognized as a leader in the industry by Architectural Digest, Vogue, My Domain, and Coveture. What I love about Tappan is that they are making collecting art available and accessible to everyone. They take the traditional art gallery intimidation out of the process completely. I love what Architectural Digest said about Tappan. They said Tappan's dedication to up-and-coming talent is reflected in the global community it has created among artists, collectors, and contemporary art lovers. Use code WILLCOLE at checkout for a $50 credit towards your first purchase at Tappan. Visit tappancollective.com, that's T-A-P-P-A-N, 
C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, tappincollective.com to find your next work of art. Again, use code Will Cole for that $50 credit towards your first purchase. I see just being your friend, your gravitation towards early Christianity and Yeshua and Mary Magdalene, and you mentioned Gnostic Gospels. Is it, What do you think that is, that, that sort of calling of that point yeah. in history and that, that te- those teachings? So I grew up, you know, my dad's Jewish. My mom is a, a recovering Catholic. She would call herself. She was very traumatized by religion. She hates organized religion. And I grew up in Montana. There wasn't really, there was a small Jewish community. It's important to my dad that we have some, that there be some continuity. Cause like, you know, it's really kind of a race. It's a culture, which I've come to appreciate more now, but I didn't grow up bathed in religion. I just sort of thought like, oh, it's, this is this belief system that people have, et cetera. I was, and it's, it's interesting. And then it's only really in my later life that I've come to sort of read or understand other schools of thought and been like, wow, everyone's sort of saying the same thing. Like, this is interesting. And then it was my friend, Megan Watterson's book that I got the first bound. It's called um, Mary Magdalene Revealed. And it came to my desk and I was like, oh, what is this shit? Like, I don't, not interested in this. And for some reason I couldn't put it on the giveaway pile, you know, but I immediately was like, I sort of had, I have that same snobbishness that I think a lot of people have about people who believe or Christians or, you know, any of this stuff. Like, how can you believe these ridiculous stories? Of course, I didn't really like know any of the stories. Um, So it was like an intellectual snobbery about it. So I picked up the book and I read it and I was like, this is spoke to me. It really spoke to me. And Megan is a Harvard Divinity School, ex-Divinity School scholar and very special person. And she is really interested in Mary Magdalene, who I had, of course, absorbed as sort of the penitent prostitute and the woman in the paintings. But she told me, uh, Megan told me a totally different story about the real role of Mary Magdalene, how her gospel was cast out when they were creating the Bible when, and this is in like 300 and when they were, did the, in the, um, the council of Nicaea, council of Nicaea, 325 AD decided what would be canonized and what would not, what was part of Christianity and Christianity was a fledgling religion persecuted And there was no orthodoxy and heretical literature. It was just these books floating around that were written hundreds, you know, often hundreds of years after Christ Mm -hmm. lived and died. And so they're just stories, but they're stories of a people and an evolution of Jewish law in many ways. And so then these men, these, these Roman authority figures decided what would be in the new Testament, made the new Testament, made it the official religion and started persecuting people who had heretical beliefs, including Mary Magdalene became a whore in 590 with Pope Gregory, the great, he conflated her with a sinner in the Bible, not the same woman, this woman was actually never identified as a prostitute. She was just a sinner. She was the one who anointed Christ's feet with her hair. So he conflated Mother uh, Mary as the as the prostitute, and then he said that she had been carrying the seven deadly sins because she was referred to as the woman from whom Christ cast out seven demons. 
mm-hmm. which are really these imbalances that um, Carissa slash Yeshua talk about in the in action. It shows up in the, in uh, the gospel of Mary as well. So I became really interested. I'm like, wow, what a turn, right? Like what would the world look like if this hadn't happened? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean that there's an entirely different story and Gnostic Gnosticism is the word is to know. And they were the, that school was like, oh, this is an inner relationship that you have with the divine. Mm-hmm. There's no church. There's no apostolic tradition. There's no priest. It's like your own cultivation through your own heart of your relationship mm-hmm. with the divine, which obviously isn't what the authorities in Rome wanted. So no. it's fascinating. Like these it are, is this is how we are cultured and this is how we are programmed. And this is how we have these systems that continue to haunt us today. It's really wild. So that's why I like, I've gone deep. Uh, it is deep. <laughs> and I, we're so in sync with this stuff. I'm fascinated <laughs> by it as well and resonate with so much of it. So um, I'm going to for sure have you, I, I, when does the book come out? I want to have you back for the book. And we're going to talk all about patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. Originally it was supposed to come out in the fall. Now we're aiming for January, 2023. I'm working on revisions. It's huge. It's like such a, it's a big topic. Like each chapter could be its own book. And so we're wrestling with it now. So, and they want a full year before it comes out. Got it. To sort of get ready. Well, we'll for sure dig deep in patriarchy yes. and all of that stuff. When the book comes out, I, at Gluttony, this point, lust, all the things, all the good things people love. <laughs> uh, so I, this part of the podcast, as you know, it's called The Art of Being Well. I want to just pick your brain on your favorite wellness stuff. This is Elise Lunin's Art of Being Well. Are you up for this yeah. challenge? Yeah, right. my tongue. I'm drinking a turmeric latte, so oh, there you, you just, go. You just did it because you're talking to me, right? <laughs> no, I got these blends called, have you heard of Clever? No, I haven't. It's delicious. They're these adaptogenic latte blends. You just add hot water. They give you a frother. Nice. We'll put it in the show notes for people. Yeah. Um, All right. First question. You're stuck on an island. You have one food, survival, nutrient density. What's that one food for you? Avocados. That's what Sarah Gottfried said. Same thing. What would yours be? I said avocados or co- <laughs> or coconut. I said like a little bit I of don't like love coconut. I don't avocado. love it either, but I'm looking to survive at least. <laughs> avocado. All right. Number two, if complete other side of the spectrum, purely on taste alone, remove the health benefits, purely on deliciousness, what's one food for the rest of your life? What would it be? Spaghetti with a lot of um, parm. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> All right. Next question. What are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally? B and the absorbable B12 that you gave me. Cause I remember I couldn't absorb vitamin yeah. B. Hey, good thing. Ventilation. Classic yeah. core stuff. Uh, all right, next question. What is a biohack, like a wellness tool, non-food, non-supplement? What's a biohack that you're really into lately? Biohack. Not much of a hacker. Or just um, a wellness tool, maybe like a device. My infrared therapy. sauna. Yeah, that counts. Perfect. I got that at the beginning of COVID and it, it's like, a, it's outside. It's a clear light sauna. And I go out there and it's space away from my kids. So I can actually listen to music or meditate or read and just have some space. 
Love it. All right, next question. What's the weirdest wellness tool, wellness thing that you're willing to share on a podcast that you've done? Oh my God, I've done everything. I think um, you did some on Netflix too. <laughs> yeah, I've done, I've done psychedelic drugs. I've done colonics. I've done um, like John Amaral on the table. Yeah. Somatic puppeteering. God, what is the weirdest? I mean, is there anything I haven't tried? Yeah, that's the question. What have I not tried? That's funny. I actually only have ever had one clinic and I did it just that's to me, that's the edge. Not my thing. I'd have to be forced under duress. <laughs> Are you into those? No, I'm not. Yeah. yeah I'm not, not against my... them for people if they want to explore it, but it's uh, definitely not something that I do. Pursue. Yeah, it's not, I don't pursue it. People can get addicted. It's really interesting. Um, I do know people that are very, I would, yeah, they they would habituated be, to it. Yeah, habituated to it. Yeah. Um, next question: What's a what's one wellness brand? It could be that elixir you just mentioned, but what's a wellness brand? A food, a snack, a product that you've really been loving lately? Mm, I always love what Amanda Chantal Bacon is up to at Moon Juice. I just love her. I just yeah, she's great. I think she's such a good witch, and she's so weird and fascinating and generous and wise. So like I'm into like the energy of her products. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do really like these clever blend. I'm a little addicted to them. It's kind of a problem. I need to slow down. <laughs> what's your favorite? What, what different flavors are at the, this clever brand? They have matcha, which is my favorite. They okay. do a coffee, which is not my favorite, The turmeric's delicious. They do a chai and then they do sort of a rose, chocolate hot cocoa that's really more mushroom than chocolate that's quite good have you tried chroma yet i have to send you some chroma no the chroma reset if you're I up for it. it yeah it's a five-day reset um i'm the medical advisor for them but they're wonderful and they taste really good they have some lattes yes. there too Ooh, um, i want i want to try right. i'll send you some um all right next question what's one spiritual practice or mindfulness practice, just specifically like a tool in that space that's really helped you? Honestly, body scan. I mean, it's so simple, but it's where you, at night, I just feel my, think about my toes and feel, because I, as a woman tend to dissociate from my body more um, frequently than I would like. And so I just sometimes need to remind myself to be in it. Good. Good stuff. All right. What is your, I'm interested in this question, uh, this answer. What's your favorite restaurant in the world and what do you order there? Ooh. Um, this is going to be, this might be a cheat, but you know what? I know a restaurant I love because my kids love it and my husband loves it. And I love it too. Hillstones, which is okay. Houston's and they made it Hillstones because they didn't want to be a chain and have to publish the, the calorie information. <laughs> but I love everything is the same every time. And they have amazing, a really delicious salmon. And I love the spinach chip. So where is it? Is it in LA? I've never been before. I mean, they're everywhere. Houston's Hillstones, R&D Kitchen, Bandera. Oh, I've been to R&D Kitchen in uh, okay. Dallas. I've been there before. Yes, exactly. So it's that family of restaurants. It's like every chef's secret favorite restaurant. The yeah. Ding's Crispy Chicken Sandwich. I mean, I know we're not supposed to be eating these foods, but you asked me the question. So, and we go very infrequently. 
<laughs> That's what I want to know. I want to know the real or stuff. Or sushi, any, like good sushi anywhere. What's your favorite sushi in LA? Do you have a favorite sushi? Well, we order sugarfish. Um, I haven't really like gone out. I mean, to anywhere, but we order sugarfish, which is now it's sort of a chain. Their fish is again, like really reliable, delicious. My mm-hmm. kids love it. it. Comes in like cute little bento boxes and my mm-hmm. kids go ham on sushi. It's a very expensive um, <laughs> problem. It's our special treat meal, but my kid can what? eat. They call, they're called trust me's. It's two rolls, eight pieces of sushi. He eats the whole thing. That's good. Eight. Some real no, food. It's good. Yeah. It's real food. It's better than fast food, right? It's really that's true. Solid this is true. stuff. Yeah. Let your kids be a little bougie at least. It's fine. They are bougie. It's pretty <laughs> embarrassing. It's not Montana. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite exercise? I think I know the answer to this, but what's your favorite way to exercise? Well, I was a diehard Tracy Anderson person for a long time. And that because I love the dance cardio. But and I love like I love walking, hiking, horseback riding when I'm able to do and skiing, but I just got a Peloton and I'm not going to tell you my name because what? I'm not very good at it. And I'm embarrassed. No, <laughs> no I, I'm not good at it either. I do the weights more than the bike, but you know who I'm just only, I'm only friends with my wife and my kids and Kevin Keating. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so you'll be That's my fifth amazing. friend. This fifth friend. <laughs> I am ashamed. It's like I spy on other people because I, and I don't want them to know because they kick my butt, but apparently every bike is slightly different. So yeah. Do you have a favorite instructor yet? I, I sort of like poop, poop plattering. I'm just taking everyone. Who's your favorite? Uh, On bike. I would say Jess King is my favorite uh, on the bike Um, with uh, weights and like weight training. I love Rebecca Kennedy, who's going to be in the podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been be- taking Ben Aldis because I like his music. Yeah. Ben Aldis is good too. I feel like I know all these people, but I don't, but yeah, <laughs> I'm a super fan. I'm a Peloton super fan. Uh, it's great That's for an amazing. introvert and great for a pandemic. I'll tell you what, it's perfect. It took for me, me long enough. I just didn't want to have it in my living room. And then of course I waited till like the very end of the pandemic to get one, but <laughs> I'm glad I did. Hey, please friend me. <laughs> please friend me. <laughs> on balance. All right. What is, a, you know so much about this too. What's one skincare product mm. that if you only had one, what would that skin product be? Okay. It's, it's Christine Chen. It's her hydrating face cream. So I have rosacea, which you wouldn't know because it's very under control. Thanks to Christine Chen, who's a facialist in Los, in New York city, the lower East side, they call her mean Christine and she's mean and she exfoliates your skin so intensely, which as a person with rosacea, they say not to do, but she completely changed my skin. She was like, if you have rosacea, it's like baby skin and you get this plaque on top and your skin can't breathe and exfoliate and moisturize. And so her moisturizer just keeps my skin in check. And and then I try to see her once or twice a year, which I haven't since COVID, but her products are amazing. Cool. So you, can you get the products online or can we mm-hmm. leave links for people? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Last question is what is a book that you've read in the last year that that's really inspired you? Mm, 
got you thinking God. in a fresh new way. You read so much, which I, that's a whole other episode. When we talk about the book, I want to talk about your reading techniques, but what's, what's one book if you had to pick one? Trying to think of the book I've been pressing on people the most. I mean, I definitely like that Terry Real book for men, I think is mm-hmm. so important. Freedom Transmissions, which we mentioned. I'm actually reading, oh, this is a good one. It's this woman, Barbara Walker, another sort of Rianne Eisler era classic. And she wrote this book, she's written many books. It's called The Crone. And it's just pat. It's a small book, but packed full of footnotes and really interesting information. And she just makes the argument that when the, the crone who became the witch, um, when you have the sort of the maiden, the mother, and the crone, the three stages of any woman's life and the three stages of life, and that we have cast the crone out culturally, turned her into a witch, exiled her, excommunicated her, denied her. Women obviously were overly obsessed with appearing young. We don't like old women. We don't venerate them once they're not sexual anymore. It's really interesting to think about it. She, it's an old book, but like you can bring it up and be like, wow, when we think about what we're doing to the environment, when we think about our inability to look at waste, our inability to look at death. Um, it really, like she sort of makes this case that we need the crone desperately in order mm. to regain um, our ability to sort of cycle appropriately with nature. Wow. Good stuff. And for everybody, we're going to put the links for all these books and all the products, <laughs> all the things. This is going to be a wild list. <laughs> Channeling the shoe, Yeshua putting some moisturizer on. Rosacea <laughs> stuff. Eat, eating some avocados. <laughs> um, so my friend, where can people get connected to your amazing work and this podcast, all the things? So Pulling the Thread is my podcast. Please listen, rate, review, um, as you do. <laughs> yeah, all, all <laughs> the podcast asks, yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram, just Elise Lunan. If you're into books and you want to read with me, I have a Goodreads profile, just my name, um, where I post everything I'm reading compulsively. And um, yeah, when my book comes out, hopefully I can come back on and talk oh, about it. You'll, you'll be back. You'll be back for sure. I appreciate you immensely. Thank you, you for too. your years of friendship and support. I really, I, I'm so excited this happened. Come back to LA someday. Believe me, I'm tr- looking for an excuse to come back. So okay, we'll, we'll have to find something. All right. All right. Talk soon. Bye, bud. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Jacqueline. Jacqueline asks, I've heard that the more children someone has, the more it can negatively impact brain health later in life. She says, I have two kids and I can see why. (laughs) My gosh. But is this true? She wants to know. All right. This is an interesting question. All right. So there are tons of studies out there, right? There you could find lots of different 
causations being made and correlations being made. And then there's conversations around it within the health blogosphere and on podcasts and in articles. So I'll tell you a recent study that's been done. It was actually done out of the Columbia University Mailman School of Public Health and the Robert Butler Columbia Aging Center and University of Paris and Dauphine, PSL. They found that having three or more versus two children has a negative effect on late life cognition. I don't know if that's the study that you maybe heard about, Jacqueline, but it's definitely one that I'm aware of. The results further indicate that this effect was strongest, this study specifically, in Northern Europe, where higher fertility decreases financial resources but does not improve social resources in this specific reason. This was the first study to find the causal effect of high fertility on late life cognition. So let's break this study down because there's a lot to unpack here. Fertility may affect late life cognition, meaning our memory, our brain health later in life via several different pathways. First, having an additional child often incurs considerable financial costs, reduces family income, and increases the likelihood of falling below the poverty line, thus decreasing the standard of living for all family members and possibly causing financial worries and stress and uncertainties, which could also contribute, obviously, to our brain health and cognitive deterioration. Second, having an additional kid is causally related to women's lower labor market participation, fewer hours worked, and lower earnings. In turn, what happens? Labor force participation compared with retirement positively affects cognitive functioning among both men and women. Third, having kids decreases the risk of social isolation among older individuals, which is a key risk factor for cognitive impairment and dementia and other neurodegenerative problems, and often raises the level of social interaction and support, which can be protective against cognitive decline when we age. Finally, Having kids, and any parent will tell you this, having kids can be stressful, affecting health risk behaviors and adversely affecting adult brain health development. Parents with more kids can experience more stress, having less time to relax, chill out, support that parasympathetic, and invest in cognitively stimulating leisure activities. This can also impact sleep deprivation for parents as well. The negative effect of having three or more children in this study on brain health is not just negligible. It is equivalent, get this, to 6.2 years of aging. It suggests that the decrease in the proportion of Europeans having three or more kids may have positive implications for the cognitive health of the older population. Pretty fascinating study. Obviously, it makes sense when you understand the context of what's going on for many people around the world, the more kids that they have. And this isn't saying don't have kids. This is just looking at where we're at as a world today and how epigenetic things, lifestyle things, and a confluence of them really impacts our health. So it's more than just what we eat. It's more than just our exercise. It's the larger social constructs and the social variables to consider of how long we live and how healthy we live. So that may be the study that you're referencing, Jacqueline. We have so many 
And I say this lovingly because I am one as well. We have so many lovely science nerds and health geeks out there. So this probably is what you're referencing because I was aware of this. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon.